Hi, this is Nikki Beauchamp, Global Real Estate Advisor at Engel Volkers in New York City. For 25 years, you've been coming to Inman events to connect. Now Inman is coming to you June 2nd through June 4th. Learn more about connect now at Inman.com. Hi, this is Brad Inman with my Daily Dispatch. I'm super excited today to have a friend and a colleague and a leader in the real estate industry, Paul Boonsma. Paul is the CEO and president of Leading RA, or Leading RE, which is one of the most interesting networks of big and small brokers around the world. And so he has qu quite a perspective. Plus, Paul coming into this is interviewed and talked to each and every one of his customers. So he can give us a pretty enlightened view about how the broker owner out there is doing. Greetings, Paul. Hey, Brad, how are you? Thank you for uh, doing these daily uh, updates. I think it's fantastic for the industry. Oh, thank you. Now, full reveal here, Paul is literally down the street from me, but because of this stuff, we can't really, we tried once, we had a social networking thing, um, but it's hard to get together. So here we are, Zoom Airlines, just across town to, to meet with Paul. Paul, you and the family healthy and everybody's okay? Yeah, every, you know what? I, I can even say extended family. Um, you know, very lucky that our entire team, our entire staff has remained healthy. And uh, for the most part, our network has remained really healthy. And as you may recall, uh, we were one of the last conferences, Berkshire Hathaway and Leading RE were the, the two conferences that were kind of right on the cusp of when this was all breaking. So yeah, the door was closing. It was like one of those... Uh, those intergalactic space moves where the door was closing and you got right through. It was, it was, we, I think when we started our conference uh, heading out to Las Vegas, there were only, I think 80 deaths in the entire country um, and it just exploded. And fortunately uh, we were at the Wynn hotel with a lot of sanitizer and a lot of uh, social distancing in place already. Um, just cause you know, it wasn't maybe six feet, but it was don't shake hands. Don't, uh, don't hug, don't do those things. And we were very lucky. We came out of the conference and uh, to date, we don't know of anybody that, that actually got sick oh, immediately out of the, out of the conference. Well, that may go down in history as the last, like the last typewriter, the last uh, physical real estate conference. There's a lot of debate going on actually about whether that may be the case. Hey, uh, let's jump into it. I love the fact that you've been meeting with all your, your customers. And, uh, and just so we set the, the, the table here for the audience, uh, the Leading RE network is a network of brokers around the world, and you provide services to them. Is that similar to a franchise or an association? What's the parallel? Uh, it's, it's similar to a franchise in the sense that we offer, you know, kind of a la carte services, whether it's marketing services. You know, we do a lot of obviously relocation and uh, uh, referral services, but also education. We're really strong in education to our members, um, as well as, uh, you know, other thought groups and, and think tanks and things like that. So the past two weeks, we reached out and really wanted to talk to our members with the primary uh, ch challenge of how do we move forward? Um, you know, we've been shut down. We know that states are opening up and how do we continue to do real estate and do it safely? Um, well, how would you characterize, it? I mean, I think this last two weeks, the full weight of the economic downturn is starting to, we're starting to feel that. Um, I, in talking to lots of people like you do, it's pretty clear. Just read the, you know, I read, try to read, not broadcast news, but legitimate publications. And it just seems to be a darker mood coming over us a little bit. But tell me, what are your broker owners saying out there? Is there panic? Is there calm? Is there enthusiasm? What, what's the mood? 
You know, I, I would have to, I would agree with you on the darker side when I'm watching the news. I do feel in my own personal view is I do think we're into this. It's more serious than anyone ever imagined at the beginning, um, just in the longevity of it. Um, however, I'll say that my members are um, surprisingly positive. And, um, you know, I think the nature of our companies is we try to choose companies that have strong leadership. And I think when you have strong leaders, uh, leaders tend to not be daunted by you know, the situation, they tend to look at what's the opportunity. And we actually would go around and say, what are your challenges and what are your opportunities? And uh, the interesting point was uh, the opportunities time of our meeting typically lasted longer uh, because a lot of people were looking at things, you know, whether it was, you know, implementing uh, paperless transactions, uh, implementing new technologies, uh, having better coaching and training sessions with their agents. Um, there was just a lot of, um, there was a lot of positive energy around the fact that everybody has kind of stopped and reevaluated. And when you do that, you can kind of reprioritize as well. And I, I think, think people are that a pandemic um, has forced the hand of all these things we've been talking about for uh, absolutely. Now the industry is embracing it. And I, I guess it took a pandemic and all the things you just listed, any examples, like there's so many, I mean, I think of the range of people, Diane Ramirez and Helen Hanna and, and uh, who, who's the lady in Florida? I always liked her. Uh, oh, Michael Saunders. Yeah, what a, what a leader. What's she doing? What's she saying? What's going on down there in Florida? You know what, there, Sarasota is doing well. I was on the phone with her uh, earlier this week. Uh, one of the things that she told me that I thought was quite interesting, she said, you know, they're kind of uh, looking at the situation each day and they realize that people go through either a red light, yellow light or green light mood. Mm -hmm. And it's not consistent. Um, you know, and I think it's true. Everybody's having more emotional mood swings, probably depending on what you hear, depending on what you see, depending yeah. on how you're being affected. And she said, you know, we just need to look at our agents each day and not, not cast them into a, well, they're just in a bad mood forever, or they're just being negative. It could be just today. They're, they're, they're kind of in a red light day and yeah. they may come back the next day and be green light and be ready to go out and, you know, talk to a client, uh, safely show properties and things like that. So Sarasota is doing okay. They're, they're getting back into business and she's been doing some really good uh, open houses over uh, uh, Facebook. So Facebook live open houses and things like that. Uh, right. There's a lot of innovation with technology. Oh, and I think, I think people are realizing that, uh, you know, the traditional way of selling a home um, doesn't have to be that way. A lot of people will, I mean, but people are purchasing homes uh, purely uh, through either a virtual tour and uh, FaceTiming. Um, they've never walked through the house and they're feeling comfortable to purchase. Tell me about the luxury market. We've, we're hearing it may be suffering the most, but then again, that's market to market. You have a whole division that's devoted to that. What are you hearing on the, the luxury end? Is Are people with money sitting on the sidelines because they're uneasy? Are they jumping in because they want a tangible asset? What, what are you hearing in the luxury market? Any anecdotes around the country? Well, you know, I think that the, one of the things, and going back to, you know, the markets that are the hot ones, uh, the Hamptons is very active. And I think some of that is people are looking at getting out of New York City uh, for the short term. If they're not going to be going to Europe traveling or traveling in other parts of the world, um, they want to kind of set, set up shop somewhere. And if they can have a family compound for the summer, uh, that's a good place to go. So that as well as uh, also maybe not the other end of the spectrum, but certainly not as extreme as the Hamptons, but the Jersey Shore is also very, very 
very busy right now. So there, there are markets that are busy. Um, and I think on the luxury side, the, the two things that we've seen that are probably uh, positive, and again, there's a lot of negative, so I'm not trying to gloss over that. But the interesting thing is uh, we had a broker who's the, the um, search term pool and tennis court had increased 500%. Really? And this was outside, more bedroom communities. But I think people which were kind of dismissing some of these older homes that had acreage, these older homes, even some newer, not newer, but uh, 20, 30 years that we would have referred to as a McMansion, um, those are starting to feel a little bit more attainable. Isn't from that the interesting sense that it took a pandemic to bring back the McMansions? Because if you and I were talking six months ago, those would be called the dogs of real estate. They absolutely were. In fact, I was uh, noted at saying a couple times, you know, that bonus room was no longer a bonus. In fact, it was a detriment to selling. Well, now the bonus room is actually throw the kids in there with their roller skates and they can do whatever they want till their heart's content because it's over a three-stall garage or something like that. Yeah. So I do think we're seeing a reuse of homes. I think square footage right now yeah. um, is looked at as a, as a little bit of a, a positive where we were definitely in the downsizing mode. So that's reversed. Paul, let me ask you about this. I interviewed Alex Perillo, who's someone you know well, and yeah. he, he took us back kind of through history from polio in the 50s to the oil crash in Houston in the early 80s to the, you know, the end of the aerospace companies as we knew them at the end of the Cold War in LA in the 90s, and just had so many good, good lessons but one of the things he talked about in the 210, 211, 212 collapse was how many companies, you know, shut their doors then uh, if they didn't have someone in the family, a successor strategy, a family handoff. And, you know, I think of all the companies that I know now where family run businesses, where there is a family member who's slowly but surely moving into the, the CEO chair, some of the original owners doing it reluctantly to give up. But without that succession strategy, he said they didn't really have any other choice than to be bought out or to close the doors. And he suspected that will happen here today without a viable succession plan, um, without the capital maybe to acquire other companies. What are you hearing from yours, uh, your members? Similar sort of challenges? What are the challenges? Because it looks like to me we might see some, some M&A and we might see some consolidation and we might see some people just closing the doors. Right. Well, I, well, first of all, back in the interesting thing, back in 2008 through 2010, we didn't actually have companies going out of business. We did have some mergers within the organization. Um, but I mean, we were really, I mean, I shouldn't say surprised because that sounds like I don't believe them, but it was almost uncanny that we did not have companies going out of business. And a lot of that, they walked out of the, the situation heavily leveraged. And I heard great stories afterwards that, you know, it's almost like uh, keeping your company afloat on your visa. Uh, yeah. or your MasterCard at times, uh, yeah. but we did not have companies going out of business. I think that it's 10 years later, so we also have the situation which you alluded to, which is if there was not a uh, leadership uh, position in place to move on to another generation or having you know the next second tier management group in place, that's always our problem. And, yeah. and we, try to, we try to overcome that uh, with a lot of leadership training and trying to you know, we actually have some phone calls coming up about mergers and acquisitions. Um, however, I think that, you know, it depends on the spirit of the company. When you've been in business for maybe 20, 30, most of our companies are probably over 30 years old, at least many of them are. Um, they're, they're, 
there becomes maybe a certain a legacy in place and they're not always quick to just sell the company. Now it happens occasionally. And certainly over the last couple of years, we've definitely you know, seen that because there've been some really aggressive uh, firms that have been acquiring companies. And I never begrudge that. I mean, this is, Brad, this is business. And if somebody that's can- for Compass, right? I mean, that's-, that's Well, Compass and, and some others. Um, but you know, I mean, if somebody can sell what they've built and get a good price for it, I never begrudge that of anyone. However, I'd prefer to keep them, you know, in the independent vein. And um, many of them also feel that way because they'd, like they'd like to continue the company either with their name or at least with their, the, this, this team of management people they have in place and yeah. keep those people secure, which doesn't always happen as, as much in some acquisitions. Hi, this is Joe Rand. I'm excited I may be coming to your home soon. For 25 years, you have been coming to Inman Connect. Now, Connect is coming to you. Find details at Inman.com. No, it makes sense. Let's go back again to the 10 years ago. Um, so Realogy then had sold the company and was sitting on this horrible debt for the Apollo acquisition. Great for Henry Silverman, great for Apollo, but not so good. And so during that time, I just wrote an essay about this, and I'm curious what you think that that was when Zillow and Trulia stepped into kind of the consumer void because Realogy being a big brand couldn't invest in their consumer brands, even though before that C21, Remax, even you know outside of Realogy, Remax, et cetera, these were well, at one time, if you looked up on the internet, they would be listed one, two, three. After that period, it was Zillow, Trulia and Redfin. And uh, so you had people in these moments who seized the moment and then when Realogy was on its heels, you could argue six years ago, Compass jumped in because the big boy was on its heels, struggling with the debt, not innovating. And, and so there's always during these periods, a lot of innovation and there's a lot of movement. And, it's, and I'm trying to think who's the mover and the shaker and who's the person that will be on their heels. Any thoughts? And I'm looking to name companies, but, and this is different and we're too early into it to know, but I assume some of that dislodging and rethinking and I mean someone's going to jump in someone's going to jump out any thoughts on that what you see going on yeah well I mean I think it's interesting you know yeah, Zillow uh, came into the market and truly I came in at a very very good time um, the market was going down and you know you can look at it either way but I always like to look at it as you know timing is everything mm -hmm. and they came into the market when during a downturn brokers, all brokers, were looking for some alternative to reduce their costs uh, in terms of advertising and things like that. Um, historically, uh, real estate had been a heavy-duty advertiser for most newspapers. Yeah. So that went by the wayside. However, they hitched their wagon to somebody new who then, in some cases, people would say, well, that was the new devil in town. Well, it may have been. However, it was a much cheaper devil. Um, yep. they were, Zillow has always been less expensive than what people were paying with the newspapers uh, previously. Yeah. So it was it was a different model. Now, whether people like that or not, but at the time it was the right thing to do, and it probably did help them get through the time of of migrating away from newspapers and getting online. Well, Since I that time, sorry that Realogy cut these incredible deals for Zillow and Trulia. I'm not so sure it was in the long term good for Realogy because they gave up their their positioning with the consumer, but they had no other choice because they are on their heels. And I think a lot of people cut deals with them at a time when, like you say, they couldn't afford it. 
maybe right. some of the other stuff, but what great, like you say, great timing. Anything yeah, timing. like that is, I mean, we don't know about Compass, right? We don't know how much money it has in the bank. They obviously were moving quickly and they're not anymore. Um, anybody else on the horizon, anything you're seeing? Is it local maybe? Someone in a dominant local position can acquire someone else? Is, uh, yeah, I'd say there's a, there's a lot of potential acquisitions in the works right now. And some of it is timing. They're in, they're in closing or they're, they're actually- we'll, we'll see some things happening over the next few months. You will. Uh, yeah. yeah. And I think part of that is because- You're not gonna tell me who yet, right? No, I'm not. Uh, but, the, but part of it is because the time, again, we're at a good time. The yeah. timing is, um, you know, this is if you, if you were successful prior to this time, you pretty much are looking at how do I preserve what I have? Right. And oftentimes bringing in a partner and having somebody else to help manage infrastructure yeah. um, uh, makes everybody's costs go down. Yeah. So it's a good time. You, you'd have to look at those things when the market turns. You think like it, is, is that national or local you see going? Is there national big boys you think that are going to play? Yeah. Or is it local people? No, I think there, it's both. I think, there, I think it's happening both locally, but I think there are some also players that are acquiring uh, nationally. And then do you think it's in the sub-verticals of real estate, like traditional broker owners with traditional broker owners, do you think we'll see the tech crossover where tech companies that are real capitalized, they might, like imagine a scenario where Redfin buys up people or imagine a scenario where Zillow buys up people, or do you think it's still pretty segmented in terms of I, uh, My own opinion would be it's still pretty segmented. And I think part of it is culture. Um, I think we've seen that there, you know- I Different think business models, right? different business models and different culture. I think that, you know, at the end of the day, it's about what the agent is comfortable with. Mm -hmm. And we've seen, you know, some of those things going on already with, with uh, some of the different players. I think that we've seen um, potential for um, like-minded companies to be merging together. I think we could see it, you know, within Remax, within Keller Williams, uh, within our organization. But I think the culture of the agents is always the big question because if you don't take that into account, what happens is you merge two companies together and the agents don't come along for the ride because yeah, they don't have to. Recruit them and say it was a terrible acquisition. You right. You, you, you bring them along, you, you do the acquisition, but the asset walks out the door every night and you hope they come back. So you need to be really ca cautious and make sure you don't forget, you know, where the rubber meets the road has always been the agent. And I'm a firm believer that I think, I think they are, they are having a very difficult time. Um, you know, and they're the ones you know, they wake up every day, however, and don't know where their paycheck is coming from. Yeah. You know, which I've never had the stomach. I give them such great credit for that. Um, I've, I love what they do. I love a lot of things about it. I just never had the stomach to have to wake up every morning wondering if I was getting a paycheck. Um, Paul, we're running out of time, but let's, let me just do some one worders. Okay. Sure. Uh, are you optimistic about the market or pessimistic? You know, overall, I'm optimistic. I think that uh, people. Short term and long term. What's that? Short term and long term or more long term? You know, I think it's going to be really tough. Um, but I think that what we're the message we we feel strongly about is uh, there are a lot of uh, agents and companies uh, inside and outside of our own um, that are well trusted uh, organizations and brands and and agents. And I think the Whatever key is the market. The, the, what's that? Whatever happens to the market, you, you, they have the strength to survive whatever the circumstances. Well, and not just that, Brad, but I think the key is Right now we see the, everything is so polarized and I think we need to pull to the middle. And what I mean by that is yes, we have to get back to business and yes, we have to get back to business safely. Yeah. And I think there's a way to do that. I think we know 
uh, how to avoid contracting uh, COVID. And I think there are ways to practice real estate and help consumers with their needs and also not get sick. And we, I mean, we just took an order of 100,000 masks uh, in Chicago last week. And we wanna make sure that every one of our customers um, has access to the masks they may need or whether it's sanitizer or things like that. Because those are the things that if you practice real estate safely, we can continue to practice real estate. Oh, people still need housing is the bottom line. And the people exactly. that are savvy and put an emphasis on health uh, will do well. Let's go through one worders, okay? I'll give you one word and you give me one back. Um, big broker owner business model, lots of office space. I, I use six words, so you can use more than one. Um, I'll, do, I'll use one, Transi I, transitioning. Uh, Transitioning, okay. And that means they'll probably be more savvy and smart about the floor plates and the office, but the business model you think is sound. I do. Yeah. Let's go to Zillow. Uh, transitioning. Yeah. Changing their business model. Yeah. But here to stay, right? I believe, yeah. I think, I think they do many things well. I think they've organized uh, the market for consumers. When consumers want to look for a home, they, they know uh, there are a number of places to start, uh, and one of them is Zillow. Yeah. Um, let's go to Realogy. Survive? Uh, wow. <laughs> that sounded like a record here. Transitioning. You know, I mean, they, they're such a large organization. And, you know, the, between the Cardis uh, situation, um, you know, they have multi, so many brands. I mean, I mean, I know you had Philip White on. He did, he's such a great guy. Great brand. Sherry Chris. They have some great talent and some great brands. Um, but... Uh, it's hard to be agile when you're that big. It's hard to be agile. Yeah. How about the small indie brokers? Are they in good shape here? They're often undercapitalized, but they're they're smaller and more agile. They're, you know what? I think that they're they're again, I hate to say the word culture, but I mean there's a culture of can do and getting it done. Yeah. And that was the thing I think I heard the most from our members, which is um, you know, they, they see a new challenge every day yeah. and uh, they're gonna find a solution for it. It's just in their nature. Realtor.com. Um, that's a huge transitioning. What's that? I can't say that one. That one I would say is uh, challenged. Challenged. And compass. I think they also have some challenges ahead. Yeah. Um, leading RE. Uh, you know, not to sound like the uh, optimist, but I mean, we're, we're actually growing. We've, we're bringing on members. Uh, there are people who are seeing the value or, you know, maybe it's when maybe misery loves company. Um, that uh, somebody who said, hey, we should have joined before, but we were so busy doing other things. So we're getting a lot of applications for membership and uh, especially worldwide as well. Gotcha. So growing for sure. Berkshire Hathaway. Mr. Buffett seems to be struggling, but is what's the word on the street with Berkshire? They're so they're always um, quiet and stoic, those Midwestern roots. You know, on that one, I would have to say solid. I think that, uh, I think that they, you know, it's hard... I think that uh, knowing that Warren Buffett is behind it and knowing that some of the decisions he's making, tough decisions. Um, and I have to say, I, I give him a lot of credit for um, uh, the decisions he's making and the explanation he's giving. I think it's- uh, I He's think not it's giving us much hope, no solutions. He's just saying it's confusing and difficult, but that's honest, right? That's but it's honest, it's honest. Warren Buffett, Remax. Yeah. Um, you know what? I think that's a model. Uh, that's a model that's here to stay. I think. I think for agents that want ultimate control, I think that's a good solution for them. 
And Adam Contos, I, at first I wasn't sure, but I th he seems to be stepping He's up. He's done some really nice things. They're yeah. doing some good stuff. Yeah, I mean, I they're, 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 we're similar in the sense that we are focused on high quality brokers. Yeah. Uh, they're focused on uh, kind of like the next layer, which is just going after high quality agents. Yeah, no, they've, no. they've got a good track record. Not that we don't have high quality agents, but we, we're, we oh. deal more with the broker level with yeah. multiple agents. Yeah, and they have always said high quality agents. Uh, Keller Williams. Um, that one is tough for me because I think they're, you know, I think they had a really good thing going. Um, I think EXP has been interesting. It's, it's yeah. interesting to see how people, uh, they've gotten a little fragmented. I'll use that word, fragmented. Well, they have serious competition now for a while. I mean, they took advantage of Realogy being on its heels and they took advantage of the last downturn. Yeah. And, uh, but he seems to be doing a lot. Hey, Paul, um, lastly, we're having you, and you're a big supporter of everything Inman does. I want to thank you for that. Uh, at every turn and every experiment, you're always there. And I know some of your brokers reluctantly <laughs> sometimes participate only because Inman's always telling the, the story best we can. It's not always good news. But um, you're going to be on our stage at uh, Connect Now. Yes, uh, we're excited is, about it. Yeah, I'm really appreciative. I think you're interviewing um, someone I'm a big fan of. Actually, Matt Ferrara and I are both talking about the future. They look, and everyone. And Matt is Matt is uh, he's a wonderful uh, philosopher, futurist. Yeah. Uh, two of his many qualities, and we're going to be talking about uh, what the future of the world is, right. and talking a little bit about what we think the future of real estate is. That's fantastic. Well, that's going to be a great session, and you're always good in stage. You've done a lot of interviews for us, and. Uh, Anyway, this was fantastic. And thanks for taking all of these because you did a good rundown on everything. And it, it, I know it'll be really a popular. Make sure when we get it done, you spread it out to your members. And I will uh, do that. And it, I wish that we were together to have a margarita because I'll, I'll reveal here we're doing this on Sunday afternoon. But I think we're both trying to be safe. So once That's right. We're, that, we're keeping it safe and uh, staying with Zoom, even though we're not too far apart. That's right. Zoom Airlines got me right to your doorstep. Hey, you're the best, Paul. Uh, Thank you, Brad. And uh, this is Brad Inman checking out.